Salutations, and welcome to the Harlots of History podcast, where we scorch the history books and take back the word harlot one episode at a time. This is a show for the curious listener, the raunchy feminist, the sex-positive comic, co-hosted by us, your resident amateur historians who love a side of sexy with their history. Listen as we chat and lecture each other on infamous mistresses, lovers, sex workers, courtesans, madams, vamps, sirens, scam artists, and of course, harlots. And we try not to get too sidetracked with rants about putrid patriarchy. I'm Kara Mia, a mom of three. And I'm Emily, a fur mom of three. So go grab your pork rinds or your kale chips. A glass of wine or a big old mug of tea. We're not judging. We will keep you entertained while you wash your dishes, wash your feet, or wash that man right out of your hair. This show also contains alcohol, some very colorful language, and eyebrow raise, sexual content, and is not appropriate for those under 18. Sorry, not sorry to our children and pets. Hello and happy Thanksgiving, Harlots! Happy Harlots Giving! <laughs> I don't know how many more word plays we can do on that because Emily and I are coming to you early in the morning and I'm currently not wearing pants. I'm wearing pants. You're beating me. <laughs> She's beating well, me. <laughs> it's like 7 a.m. the day before Thanksgiving because we really like to make it uh, last minute. You know, we really like to fly by the seat of our pants <laughs> but or the, we, the lack of pants <laughs> just just the wind our <laughs> we tried to record last night for you guys but we just sat on the uh like green room of the call for two hours drinking wine and talking and finally it was like 1 a.m we're like oh maybe we'll just do it in the morning yeah, so we did spend two hours, but just not doing anything productive, ta- tangible. But anyway, so we decided um, we have uh, stopped mini-sodes until the new year, just to give us a little bit more time to, you know, focus on other aspects of our podcast and our families. Mm-hmm. But we really we did- didn't want to half-ass our podcast. No, we we really, we wanted to whole-ass it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> We decided to do a special Thanksgiving one, and it was kind of a fun idea. We decided to take you right to your Thanksgiving table and kind of tell you everything you might be doing wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if your Thanksgiving like my th- table like mine is like you and your partner and your pets, then it's okay. You're still doing something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, since 1922, with the publishing of her book, Etiquette and Society in Business, in Politics, and at Home, which has now been just shortened and called Etiquette, the Blue Book of Social Usage, Emily Post has been telling the population, and Emily's holding the book up right now, so you all can clearly see it. (laughs) It's 900 pages. It's huge. It's huge. Uh, Emily Post has been telling the population how to properly invite a guest, how to throw a successful dinner party, how to be compassionate to everyone's feelings for almost 100 years. Etiquette came out when Emily Post, not Emily 
my friend who's on this podcast with me, <laughs> was 50 and had it be reprinted so many times because it was on the bestseller list for almost two years. And apparently, it was the second most stolen book from libraries for like a really long time. The Bible was number one. <laughs> She's going to have to add in there, like, stealing is not etiquette, guys. <laughs> It's like her it's, 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 her, it's her subtitle on the front head cover. I think it not steal my book. And um, I'm going to tell you quickly about what my thoughts of the book were, and then you can tell yours. But the book is not nearly as stodgy as I thought it was. I kind of thought it was like a very like nose up in the air, prim and proper type of deal. But her vice is like really practical and thoughtful. The one I have is like the twentieth, the or the one I sent I sent you pictures from it's like the 20th edition i wonder was it published but yeah no it, it's not stodgy at all and like uh with each reprinting there was about i believe 10 reprints she would change the with and with each huge like social change that came around in the country she would amend her book and add new sections oh 2004 and, That's yeah one is it's the 17th edition yeah That's cool yeah yeah and uh, she also had these like really fun characters in her book to help kind of help personify each of a person of a different personality, different background to kind of help you get into the book. And they were actually quite funny. And Emily's going to read some examples right now. Sally Merritt Dupree, Mrs. Beverly Reese, or Miss Beverly Griffin, Mrs. Edward Knave. Mrs. Gwendolyn Knave, Mr. What? and Mrs. Joseph Diffendorf, Diffendorf. <laughs> and she also had like the worldlies, the wellborns, the top lofties. And <laughs> for example, uh, Mrs. Worldly was a woman, and this is a direct quote from the, the New Yorker article about her book. Uh, it says, Oh, Miss Worldly, a woman so discerning that if the slightest detail is amiss, an ornament out of place, if there's one dull button on a footman's livery, her house telephone is rung at once. (laughs) So it's just really cool. I didn't didn't know that it was like, you know, because Emily um, Post actually was a fiction and nonfiction writer, but like of a different kind. Like she wrote, like, you know, she translated a lot of the letters that she wrote to her husband into kind of a book of romance. She actually was a a fiction writer, you know, before this book came out. She just wasn't having a lot of success. Yeah, I didn't know she like was actually, and she divorced her husband and when she was quite young. And remember, this was like in the late 20s, early 30s. And so when she divorced her husband, that was kind of it was kind of scandalous to do. And she was a single woman, and her husband had kind of squandered away a lot of her money from her family. He like would buy big schooners and big throw scooters? W- schooners, like you know a boat. Oh, boats. Yeah, and also her husband was like really in her face about affairs, um, and she was the one with money. He wasn't like, I mean, he had some money, but it was more so like, you know, he still had to go out and get it. Whereas her money was like there for her. She was old money, Mm -hmm. but he squandered away a lot of it. And he was involved in this like really embarrassing black male sting affair where this woman or this, this uh, newspaper 
or like, you know, society column said that they were going to print an article about him, about how he had been keeping a woman in kept in an apartment that I don't know how this is scandalous because these shoes sounded cute, but it was said with white shoes with red bottoms and patent leather toes. Apparently, that's not really cute, right? Apparently, those are whorish shoes. I don't know. I don't know. This is a red. I was, I was like, because that's what the society column had said. It was so. But you know, Emily, that was like kind of her wake up call because she was really trying. She was really an ambitious like woman. Like it was kind of crazy. Like from her youth, she kept trying to get into these different fields. Like she was proficient at stage acting. Her parents, like, you know, were like, this is not the place for a woman. She was really interested in architecture, not the place for a woman. Like her, she, and then she was like, I can write. Sure, I'll start doing that. I've always been interested in etiquette. I can really do that. And like, it was not until she had like the freedom away from her husband and her parents that she was really able to kind of get this done. And she actually did her research for two years on this book. She was just asking, she was in the right society to really ask away. So it's really cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. She moved in. Like the reason why she wrote etiquette was because she saw this. Remember, this is like right after World War One. So there was all of this, there was like this new kind of class of people popping up, tons of newly married folks, a lot of women who wanted to keep a proper home. And also these people that I can't, I can't, I'm like, I'm definitely on the fringes of society, according to Emily Post, but people who are kind of on the fringe of like society, like as it is like, you know, really fancy, but she wanted to tell them that even if you aren't from a family with a lot of money, even if your home isn't insanely big, you can still, following these rules of etiquette, keep a nice home, entertain whoever you want. She was actually very, like, discerning when it came to, like, people's income. It was really cool. That is cool. I didn't know. I always thought that she was, like, like uppity. No. And so, like, for example, and this one really related with me, because I love hosting. You've seen it. But, mm-hmm. like, I live in a small condo with my family. I also, like, have to do everything myself. So, like, one of her characters that I, like, loved was Mrs. Three-in-One. That's you. To adapt to, like, the servantless household. That's you. I know. Three-in-One. Mrs. Three-in-One, she's, like, the cook, the host, the servant. Like, she does it all. And I'm like, that's what... Every mom, I was like, I love that name. But <laughs> I think that's all of us now. I was like, I kind of, is it really weird that I really want that tattooed on me? Ooh, yeah. Like with like an old school, like heart. Something. I was, isn't that cute? And I was like, I, I don't mean, know. It kind of sounds dirty though. <laughs> well, if they want to be dirty, I'd be just like, Mrs. Emily Post has something to say about that. <laughs> but you know, in the most current edition or the, most current reprint, I should say, of that book. There is a section on online etiquette. I don't I don't think mine is the most current because it's 2004, but I was surprised at some of the stuff that's in there. They even I, I'm like curious to see what's gonna come out. Like I'm hoping that when they do, you know, I hope I'm hoping that the next ones that come out will have things about pronouns and stuff in them. Oh, I really hope so. Yeah. And like, you know, there is like the Emily Post Institute. There's a ton of stuff online and it's like, it's actually kind of alive and well. And it's actually like, I kind of wish I, I was just like, I wish I knew about this website for my wedding. 
because I had yeah. a lot of questions when I was doing my invitations and I didn't know who to ask. Emily Post. I know. My, my mom was always obsessed with her. She like always used this book as a reference. Maybe that's why you were named Emily. Maybe. Thanks, Mom. I'm, <laughs> I'm like the least mannerly person you've ever met. <laughs> I've been farting on this podcast so, all morning. <laughs> I edited it out for you guys. Uh, and so like we were saying, Emily and I, we're just having fun. And we just wanted to tell you what you're doing wrong or maybe doing wrong at your Thanksgiving table today, according to Emily Post. Feel free to correct your actions or display them loud and proud. <laughs> Emily, too, as I'll be known here, here for hence. <laughs> oh. And so I said for this like little, it's not even a role play, but Emily and I are going to, I'm going to be saying like, and what you should be doing as a host at a Thanksgiving party. And Emily's going to be saying what you should or should not be doing as a guest at a Thanksgiving party. And... I know a lot of people are probably just, you know, having Thanksgiving with their cats like me. So in my role play, your your hosts are your chinchillas and your Himalayan cats. <laughs> and if you don't get that reference, you need to go back and listen to our Martha Stewart episode. Jeez, we are really getting like all homemakery this week. Well, we should. It's Thanksgiving and it's not We're like all stuck in our homes. Yes. And if you're not, you should be. Go home. Yeah, Go back home. Saying, really rethink who you're going to spend the day with today. Really well, think about if it's worth it. You know, it's a little late in the day for this. If you're like at your your trip. like family's house, turn around and go home <laughs> now. Blame us. Blame us. <laughs> yeah, but stay home. So. We're going to pretend this is a more formal dinner party. It is not the most formal of dinner parties, but it's like somewhere in the middle. Imagine your chinchillas are wearing little tuxedos. <laughs> oh, that's what I wanted to tell you. Okay, this was so cool. Okay, so you know how Marie Antoinette had that little kind of like um, chateau mansion and she like created this kind of like shepherdess farm like atmosphere. I think she called it her hemo. Sure. And she remember she, it was, I mean, okay, you watched the movie, Ellie, right? When I was like 16. But no, do you remember? She was like wearing all white and she looked really idyllic and she looked like no. a little shepherdess. Anyways, she was trying to recreate like a more simpler time. It was like, right. it's almost like. Marie, Marie Antoinette. Is that the one that loves to meet cake? Yeah. My brain, my brain's too foggy this morning. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. I was so, getting her mixed up with Anne Bullen. I don't know why. <laughs> My brain is <laughs> Emily. No. Emily's yeah. We all we're, we're yeah. It's early, but anyways, her uh, Emily Post's father did kind of the same thing, but he did it with a forest. So he built all these like little. He he was he had obviously he was one of the men, but like he, there was a bunch of like co-founders or whatever you want to call it. But they all made these like like a bunch of these little cabins in the forest for rich people to come and stay. And they paid people to like look like hunters and, you know, game men and all this stuff. Yeah. It was really like silly though, because there was a lot of people who are like, I live in the forest and I hunt for my food. And here you are making like, you know, bringing people from the city to come, uh, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's almost like an amusement park for rich people. Ooh, but anyways, the one it was called Tuxedo Park 
after Tuxedo Lake that was like right nearby. And because it was like all these incredibly rich and fancy people who all wore dinner jackets, the dinner jacket was therefore known as the Tuxedo. tuxedo. Oh, that's cool. Well, actually, I have a tuxedo cat, so she's already fancy. Super fancy. So enough little sidebars. Uh, This is not supposed to be a post about who Emily Post is, but she's an episode. Dude, I'm tired. Sorry. I know. We're both tired. It's okay. Okay. So, Emily, did you want to start or would you like me to start? I'll start. Okay. So these are some guests' do's and don'ts. Do arrive on time. Don't show up like three hours early. You need to call your Himalayan cats if you will be more than 15 minutes late. (laughs) You can bring wine, candy, or soap. Don't bring flowers without a vase. Your cats will hate that. Don't show up with random food. Don't show up to like Michael Scott with his egg salad that sat in his car for like ever. What episode was that? The dinner party episode? Yep. No, (laughs) no. That was like the one where uh, he went to the fancy house, the CFO's house, and him and Jan had to disclose their relationship. (laughs) Yeah. Don't show up with random food. I feel like I've heard horror stories about people like showing up with like food that they just decided to make and didn't tell anyone. Mm-hmm. And you're like mashed potatoes are competing. Mm-hmm. Don't move if your chinchillas have set out place cards for you. Don't move those around. Just sit where you're fucking supposed to sit. <laughs> don't use backhanded compliments like, "Wow, your life is such a mess." I just assumed your souffle would be too, but it is marvelous. It was that a direct example. <laughs> I was trying to come up with backhanded compliments. That was- or- no, like, no, like your souffle is so great, but your life is such a mess. I just assumed your souffle would be too. Cause yeah. in your, in your, in your backhanded compliment, there wasn't a single compliment. Yeah. So, uh, no, I said your souffle is marvelous. Oh, your souffle is marvelous. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Ignore mm-hmm. me. Okay. Or this one, your mashed potatoes taste so good for someone who's been a stay at home bartender for nine months. Emily's getting real personal with these. Yeah. <laughs> what Matt's going to say tomorrow. Don't, don't fucking double dip. It was unsanitary when this book was released, and now it'll fucking kill you. Don't do it. Unless it's in your, obviously, double dip if it's just, like, you and your cat. Yeah. But if it's, like, you and more than your cat. Like, if it's you and your partner, like me, I'm going to double dip the crap out of everything. (laughs) Don't, don't go... (laughs) <laughs> don't go searching in people's medicin- medicine cabinets. Don't do any cocaine at dinner. It's rude. Uh-huh. Also, you won't be hungry for your Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> um, if you need to go touch up your makeup, you can go apply it in the bathroom or do it really quickly if you're just around friends. But you should excuse yourself and you should not powder. You should not powder yourself. You should just redo your lipstick. Mm-hmm. So don't bring any anything else, just lipstick. <laughs> don't like you, don't bring like your whole like you know makeup case and just spread it out piece by piece and <laughs> yeah, at the dinner table. Oh, and I thought this was funny. Whatever you do, do not comb your hair at the table. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't play with your hair and don't touch it when there's food on the table. I'm really like, bad at I that. was like I was like I bet 
like during Emily Post's time when she was actually writing this book, like men probably combed their mustaches at the table with like a little comb. <laughs> You've seen that. I do. Uh, yeah. Matt has one. He has a, he has a beard comb. See, told you. Um, they just yeah. whip it out. You've been in their pocket. They just whip it out. <laughs> men are grown up just whipping it out. Okay. Um, also, don't floss your teeth at the table. I bet she hates toothpicks. I mean, they're kind of gross and also gross. full of germs and also not don't use toothpicks or floss. Don't use anything that goes into your mouth that will that could infect other people. Wait, so those are my- t- just tell people to not use floss. Well, you could use floss in the safety of your own home. As me, as a host, while Emily's trying to be the most perfect guest, I've removed all clutter from my entryway and I've swept the sidewalk. And there's a place for everyone to store their umbrellas and park their booty. I'm not going to just like let people just, you know, sit on the ground. I'm going to do my best. I have completely rearranged my small condo so that everyone can mill around. And like Martha Stewart said, keep scented items to a minimum because it ruins the food experience. Ruins. And I have the lights slightly dimmed so everyone looks more attractive. It's literally, it's literally, she said it and not, she, she said it in more words, obviously. And that's true though. Right. But I have not cleaned up my bedroom. So I am allowed to decline host tours and home tours. According to Emily Post. You just put all the stuff you cleaned from your living room in your bedroom. That's right? like how I cleaned my house. And I was like, hopefully, and I'm pretending that you are a guest here. I was like, hopefully Emily is a courteous guest. And will not open closed doors. Because she said only a discourteous guest would open a closed door. (laughs) I am discourteous. And I greet everyone at the door. Emily has stopped to chat with a line of guests behind her. So I have to politely divert her attention. According to Emily Post, you are never allowed to say, can you just keep moving? I have to talk to these other people. You have to like, like, (laughs) oh, have you seen the wine over there? Have you seen the hors d'oeuvres? Oh, I got your favorite. Yeah, that would be a good way to also like who has a line of guests? I don't know. I mean, apparently everyone's arriving on time. I was like, that never happens. Yeah. Uh, And I have served pre-dinner cocktails with a paper napkin. Of course, I am mixing and mingling with all my guests and I served a light finger food for the orders and I'm going around refilling all drinks because I guess I want everyone really drunk. You do. And I check on the bathrooms to make Sure, nobody has forgotten to flush the toilet. And I check my wine supply because I have some heavy oh drinkers in the crowd. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> she tells you to check your powder rooms and your bathrooms because, like, it is your fault if somebody has, like, left a mess. Like, she's, like, constantly saying, I'm just, like, this host hosting business sounds exhausting. Like, she, so far, I, she has not accounted for kids and anything I've read. So I'm, like, okay, so I go check on this. I was, like, uh, Emily Post, what do you do if your kids are dumping Legos in your hosting space? What do I do then? <laughs> and I said, yes, Emily arrived with an unannounced guest. She did not. RSVP for more than one, but I am a good host and I will never turn a guest away. And I have planned for this situation. What if my host was, um, Donald Trump? You mean what if your guest? Yeah. My uh, guest. 
Again, Emily Poe says that you are never supposed to turn away an unwanted guest. <laughs> I don't know if she said anything about bodily harm. Like if they <laughs> wish or you wish them bodily harm, but she says you're not supposed to. And so I approach the different groups of guests and I tell them it's time for dinner. She said that you're only allowed to use a gong for dinner if it suits the Victorian fashion. So you have to hold a very different sort of party to ring a gong. Personally, I always wish I could ring a gong, even to like call my children for dinner. (laughs) And there will be no plastic tablecloths, but rather simple linens. And this is from me. Frills cause spills. (laughs) (laughs) Do we make shirts? Yeah, right? Isn't that awesome? Did you make that up? Yeah. Yeah, she said that frilly tablecloths can cause people to snag their jewelry, snag this, snag that, and it will cause them to spill their wine. And that's when I said frills cause spills. They do. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to make sure that the ends of the tablecloth do not exceed 18 inches past the edge of the table. So you better get out your rulers. Take them from your bedside table. (laughs) Emily. (laughs) And she said there are no flowers on the table. Because flowers are only for buffet tables, and there are no individual menus. That's only for the most formal of parties and no other clutter on the table. But place cards are a necessity because we can't have, like, exes sitting next to each other. I was like, we only want tartare on the menu. Mm. (laughs) I'm just assuming people scratching. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, Candles are new, and they're supposed to burn lower than the eye level of guests. Which, this this all sounds great, but I was just like, this all sounds very hard. It does sound very hard. And because this is a more formal dinner party, we are not having a buffet, so conversation can flow. So you are not supposed to start with your dinner plates on the table. Because if you start with your dinner plates on the table, apparently all your guests will assume you're having a buffet and they'll start going around looking for it. It's <laughs> <laughs> so just like walking through your medicine cabinets with empty plates. Where's the food? <laughs> And uh, best friends and husband and wives will not be seated next to each other because we want everyone to be included in the conversation. And they also said they don't want like conversations to go to matters that only concern the two people. But then also it ensures that there's no popular sides of the table. Like I'm sure we've always, we've been to an event where we wish we were on the other end of the table because they looked like they were having so much more fun. Yes. Well, every event. They were not being very Emily Post-like and making sure that everyone was included in the conversation. So put the really cool people with the really boring people. Yeah, mix it up. She said that you're also allowed, she highly encourages you to have a female guest of honor on one side and a male guest of honor on your other side. Or a non-binary guest of honor. Totally. Get mm-hmm. with the times, Emily Post. Yeah. And then she said, be mindful and try not to see a left-handed guest near a right-handed one. But this is also like making you have real intimate knowledge. Like, I was like, I can't even say offhand what my friends are. I'm like, I think my husband's right-handed. I don't know. I don't pay attention to these things. (laughs) You don't know. He could be both. Isn't his family. But I know that, like, a lot of people are, a lot of people who were born left-handed are ambidextrous because, like, like, my grandfather was. Because cool. the, the, like, nuns or whatever didn't want him to... Like, they used to think that left-handed people, and I think they do still Were the do devil. Yeah. 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 My father-in-law told me about his days being taught by nuns in the Philippines. That's what I was thinking of. Wasn't he left-handed? I don't know. I oh, do not well. know. And then you said... They said, in not all situations, but in most, 
you everyone has to wait for the hostess or the host to take the first bite unless it's a buffet then everyone can start eating i did know about the host thing i, I, did, I did not i knew that my we always did it that's cute that's so cute and you're not supposed to get up until the host gets up unless it's an emergency well yes <laughs> and then you have I also would help to guide the conversation from troublesome topics like for example my aunt who is anti-choice or my questionable friend who is evangelically pro-Trump so you help guide, you help guide them away but you don't just say like stop talking about that like oh I you throw food at them <laughs> you like th- th- throw your green bean casserole stop it <laughs> Like, oh, so you're anti-choice. Okay. So what do anti-choice people like to wear? And then also if someone's dominating the conversation, you ask questions of your other guests who have not had a chance to speak. So pretty much like everything falls to the host. And this is so funny. When you're eating soup, you're not supposed to blow on your soup on your spoonful to blow it to cool it off but you have a spoonful and you wait just above the edge of your bowl for 30 seconds before you take a slurp well that's probably a really good practice in covid too also have you not seen those movies where you saw people talking and they would like wait with their spoonful like just above i guess i've never noticed it i have in a lot of different like older movies and then they'll take a, a slurp well, also, you're not supposed cool. to slurp a sip. That's cool. Yeah. And you, you're supposed to remove plates and cutlery between each course. And she's like, it's okay for the host host and a friend to do it. She said, make a space for your dirty dishes. You're not supposed to be washing anything during your party. And also, Emily and I get this. This is what we do in the restaurant industry. But bread plates stay on the table till dessert and salad plates stay on till dinner is finished. So you're not like, mm-hmm. are you finished with that? Can I get that? I was like, which makes so much sense. And then you offer, you can offer coffee right after the meal, but you are not obligated to offer more drinks because everyone's going to be driving home. Are they? I mean, yeah. <laughs> they also sleep on your couch that you basically <laughs> arranged. <laughs> right? And she's like, dessert is delicious. And now, after everything's wrapped up, after dinner games. And I was just like, usually after dinner, I'm like, oh. No, yeah, you're just sitting on the couch, like, really full. And she gave, like, a whole list of names. She's like, Pictionary, this, that, this, that. I was like, yeah, That sounds fun. <laughs> that sounds fun. I want to play after dinner games. Right? And this is something I'm guilty of. But you're not supposed to wash your clean up until the guests have left, unless they're overstaying their welcome. And then you start cleaning your dishes really loud. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you're not supposed to allow anyone to help out. Unless they're like, you know, family and really close friends because you would do it at theirs. And if someone like, can I help you out? You say, oh, no, hon, it's your night out. (laughs) I was going to say, I was always taught as a guest to always ask if you Mm -hmm. can help. But also at the same time, I'm like, I'm not cleaning dishes at your house. So I would expect you to clean dishes at mine. (laughs) That's true. Well, I was always taught that like, if you see the host get up and start clearing plates, that you should... Start clearing plates unless they're like, no, sit down. You just do it. And, mm-hmm. then, and then they do the dishes. Yeah. So it's just, like I said, it wasn't as groundbreaking as Emily and I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like, obviously she says, don't put your elbows on the table, how to set up a, a proper table setting, you know, like, you know. And or- I, there's definitely more information about the host than the guest. There was like, I guess, I guess, just, <laughs> the, guest I guess can be, like, the guest can be wild cards. It's up to the host yeah. to corral them. <laughs> just like, 
don't comb your hair at the table or floss your teeth and like you're good. But I did you I have something. Do you know where toasting came from? No, tell us, please. Okay. Um, so also did you know you're not supposed to toast until dessert? The guests no. aren't supposed to toast until dessert. No. The host can toast whenever she wants. So I guess in the Middle Ages people used to like poison each other all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So they would pour wine into each other's glasses. So like if you and I were sitting down, you'd be like, oh shit, did she poison me? But like, I will pour my wine into your glass and we'll both drink it. So like if I go down, we all go, you go down too. And so that's why to your health was used. It was kind of like a like, oh my God, so cool. Yeah, it's like like if you'd poisoned me, I'd be like, oh, well, let's both drink this caramia to your health. <laughs> and then um, in England, they used to put spiced toast in the bottom of beer wine for flavor. I mean, I've had some bad wine, but I don't know what wine would be better with some hot bread in it. <laughs> I mean, you just think like how wine was stored back then. Ooh. Well, yeah, well, they said that, like, I don't know, maybe something about the, the yeast. I don't, they also said that, like, it could have been to, like, soak up the dregs. Yeah, and also, something. like, what the wine process, the winemaking process, like, really didn't have a lot of filtration. But I, I would assume, though, that, like, that would just be putting, like, sugar more, sh- I guess there's already sugar. I would say putting yeast and sugar would just, like, make the bacteria grow more. But well, I have no idea. Add flavor. It was supposed to add flavor. So some story says that the word toast comes from a pretty lady in bath, taking a bath, like in those big like outdoor, you know, yeah, in yeah. bath, the bath, the medicinal baths, the huge outdoor yeah. ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a guy came up to her, scooped up some of her dirty ass bath water, added some toast into his glass and then cheers her. Just ah. like, to you, pretty lady, and that's and then he decided to toast. But I was like, and we wonder why disease ran rampant in the Middle Ages because they were just drinking. Sorry, sorry if I'm getting like way too explicit. But he was drinking her like vagina juice. <laughs> gross. Like I'm sorry, that's gross. I mean, it's come into contact with it if you're in the bath. I mean, it was a big bath, but, like, how often did they filter those baths? Probably never. Like, people were, like, peeing in there. There's so many... Uh, like, I probably, like, died like, it's, like the way, it's like the way that I, like, look at hot tubs now. Like, they feel so good, but are they worth it? No, they're not. <laughs> On that note, that was so interesting, Emily. Thank you for sharing. I always wanted to know, actually. <laughs> did you? Yeah. Like, it was, it's, like, it's been a question I definitely have asked myself before. I was looking up, I was trying to come up with some, like, interesting toasts, but you're supposed to keep them short and to the point. Okay, well, this is Harlots of History wishing you a happy Thanksgiving. Ooh, okay. Thanks to your help. There you go. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Hi, Harlots. We just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to Harlots of History. If you like what you heard today, please go and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so we can keep bringing you more salacious, scandalous harlots. Our music is Nia Proxis, Frank Riddick by Lloyd Rogers from freemusicarchive.com. And our cover art and editing is by us. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> we love suggestions, tips, tricks, or just salacious details you think are interesting. So please reach out to us on Instagram at Harlots of History Podcast or on Twitter at History Harlots or email us at harlotsofhistorypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And remember, be a harlot, not a hater. Bye. Bye.